Awesome, awesome, awesome. How's everybody doing? That's not enough. That is not enough. How many of y'all are expecting God to do something crazy in your life this morning? How many, how many people? Hey, hey, let me just tell y'all, the people that are doing this. All right, you're going to get what you came for, okay? I'm just letting you know, because I can preach my heart out. If you didn't came, wow. If you didn't come, <laughs> praise the Lord. If y'all ain't came for it, right? If y'all didn't come to get a word this morning, you're not going to get a word. So I want to know, how many of y'all are ready for the word this morning? All right, all right, that's awesome. Listen, not ashamed. Everybody sign your kids up. I'm telling y'all, you have no idea we're bringing out the craziness. It's going to be amazing. We got two speakers coming. We got a t-shirt. We got food for them. Y'all got date nights. Come on, somebody, right? And if $25 is a big deal, if you got several kids and you can't do it, just come to us privately. Privately message us. Um, and we've got people that have generously given to take care of some of that. So don't let that be what holds you back. But I'm telling you, it's going to be well worth and then some that time, all right? A week from tomorrow, it's going to start. Make sure your kids signed up. It's going to be awesome. Listen, this is uh, week three of Not Ashamed. And the last two weeks, I'm sorry, this is the week three of Uncommon. And the last two weeks of this series is going to be better than the first two weeks. I'm telling you, we got a surprise next week. And today... I just believe God's going to do something big in your life because it's dealing with expectations and it's dealing with where exactly where you are in your life. And so I just want to tell you quickly about our beach retreat. How, let me see your hands if you went to the beach with me. If you went to the beach, let me see your hands. We got some of the students and some of the leaders of the beach retreat. And it was awesome. It was like we had some in the first service. There's some serving right now. Let me just tell you, we took um, seven students and a couple volunteers, and uh, they were with some of the students from Five Point Church, and what we saw happen was crazy. I've, I've done 12 beach retreats where I've been like a speaker and a volunteer and whatever, and this was different than any other one that I've gotten to do. It, it, I, and I just, it's hard to explain why, other than the students came with expectation. I had a conversation with one of the guys the first night, and he was like, man, I just think God's going to do something crazy this week, and right then I just had this thing coming, you know what I'm saying? Like something happened in me and I was like, man, it might be a crazy week. I mean, I know everything we're going to do and I know everything I'm going to preach, but maybe it's not up to me. Does anybody, does that strike a nerve with anybody? Maybe it wasn't ever up to me. Maybe it was up to the expectation level of the people in the house. Wednesday night was our big, like, draw the net day. You know, it, it, we used to call Thursday cry night where you try to get everybody to cry. And we were like, we're not going to do that. We're going to draw the net on Wednesday and we're going to see what happens. And so we had planned it. I had the message ready and we had prayed over with the volunteers. And uh, We look out. I was about to cross the, the street to go over to where the chapel is and to look out and there was a small group of the students praying and it grew and it grew and it ended up being every one of the students. They had no idea that distractions were taking place at the time, that the soundboard wasn't even working and that we couldn't start at eight o'clock. Praise be to God, they decided to pray because they made it their, their prayer that was an impromptu just start praying at 7.30 lasted till almost 9. And you know what they were praying for? They weren't praying for each other at school. They weren't praying for each other going forward. They prayed, God, will you move in this place tonight? We're believing that you're going to do more. We're believing that something crazy is going to happen. We walk in, and I'm telling y'all, 9 o'clock we started instead of 8. Heaven fell. It was unbelievable. We worshiped for over an hour what was supposed to be three songs at the beginning, maybe four. And while the songs were going on, I was just kind of pacing over here, back and forth. I pace all the time. I'm right before I'm going to preach. I'm praying, and I'm, 
And I really felt the Lord say, you don't have to preach tonight. Just draw the net. Now, whenever that happens, God and I have this like moment where I'm like, are you sure this isn't indigestion? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I need you to be right on this one. And I'm really trying to trust you. But if I go up there and tell everybody now's the time and nothing happens, I'm going to feel real dumb. And he said, just draw the net. They preached the message. Draw the net. I got up. As God is my witness, the students will tell you this. Two minutes. I said, some of you walked in here on your way to hell. and You're going to walk out on your way to heaven. You walked in here hopeless and you're going to walk out full of hope because today's the day of salvation and you're going to stand and give your life to Jesus Christ. But I don't want you to close your eyes. I want you to stand to your feet in front of your peers. I don't know at that moment how many stood up for sure. I know 15 were trusted Christ and I know many more stood up and came over and said, I just want to rededicate my life. And all in all, 17 kids trusted the Lord Jesus and 11 rededicated their life that night. And listen, y'all clap, that's awesome. But here's how they stretched me. So I learned more from them than they learned from me. I come to church so often. I go to work so often. I go home so often without a spirit of expectancy. Without expecting God to do more, I show up because it's the box that I should check. I doodle on notes the whole time the pastor's talking and I'm distracted wondering when lunch is going to come rather than me preaching the message with the pastor and me believing that God's already given the word and that I'm just going to receive it. And then I leave and say, I wonder why Pastor Mark wasn't better prepared. I wonder why that dude that was preaching today wasn't better prepared, whoever it is. I wonder why the worship wasn't a little better because it didn't quite get me going and you were never ready to be going. And I, can I be honest with y'all, was never ready to be going. And can I just tell you this? I'm done with that. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm done with telling God how it's going to be, and I'm ready for God to tell me how it's going to be. I'm done with coming in here and just checking something off for the week and getting my hour with God done, and I'm ready for God to charge me up so we can go take the world. Because that was God's intention for us to leave our imprint like we talked about last week. But we so rarely come with an expectancy of God to move in our lives and in our homes and in our work and where we play and it's just another thing that we've got to do. And so, guys, I'm just telling you, we're, we're not, we're done. If you don't want to come to a church that is expecting God to do more, if you don't want to come to a church that's expecting healings when people walk in, if you don't want to come to a church where miracles are going to fall down, please don't come here anymore. And I love you with all my heart, and I hope that all of you do. But as for me and my house, we're going to expect God to do more. We're going to expect God to do more. And so this is what happened last night. Um, Daniel, who's in here, and I were hanging out together yesterday afternoon. I got a Facebook message from one of my former students. And she said, I got to tell you a crazy story. She works at River Ridge. And um, she's an awesome girl. And she said, I got to tell you a crazy story. Her sister is a missionary in Southeast Asia. And four of the students out of 30 that came this week from China were staying with her. And on Wednesday night, they had a pool party. And they would walked inside. And one of the four students that were staying with her, when they walked back out, 14-year-old boy was in the pool at the bottom of the pool and had drowned. You know, in that moment when you've done something for God and you feel like you're trying to do the right thing, and I feel like some of you in this room, you may not have had someone drown in your pool this week, but you're drowning. You feel hopeless. You feel lost. You feel like you're just ready to throw your hands up. And at those moments when we feel like we've done the right thing and there's no reason for 
God to allow these things to happen. We just want to throw our hands up. And here's, here's the danger is then what we do is we try to fix it, don't we? we? We believe that we have the answer. And guys, I'm just telling you, in some circumstances, you don't have the answer. They pulled her out. Her mama just started. She, she's not trained, but she just started doing CPR, CPR, CPR. No pulse, no breath, dead. And at that moment, they didn't know what else to do. Of course, they called 911, but they didn't know what else to do. And so they just began to cry out to God. And can I just tell you, that's why I believe we don't see miracles is because we don't get to the point where we're desperate enough to cry out to God. We cry out to everything else, don't we? We cry out to our checkbook and our wallet, cry out to our spouse and our job, we cry out to our team. But we don't get to the point where we really have to cry out to God because we can think or do our way out. And the miracle happened, I believe, when the three Chinese students who did not know the Lord began to cry out to a God that they did not know. Maybe more desperately than I ever have. And 15 minutes after that kid was dead, he sat up. And can, I, can we just stop right here? I believe in my heart that some of you right now are skeptical about this because you're skeptics. Because we live in a cynical world and immediately we think, Come on, man, that kid, that, they just didn't feel the pulse right. And can I just tell you what Matthew 17 says? If we have faith of a mustard seed, we'll see mountains move. That's why we don't see mountains move, and that's why we don't see miracles. It's because we're convinced that God can't. He may be able to do it in other people. He may be able to do it in these certain societies. He may be able to do it over other places. But in Chesney, South Carolina, that can't happen. Surely that didn't happen. That, they just didn't get a pulse right. Listen to me. The kid was dead, and he's alive. And Jesus said in John 16, you'll do greater things than I did. But first we have to believe. And I believe many of us in this room believe in God. But we don't believe God. And as a result, we've missed so many blessings in our life. And can I just tell you, I'm not coming with an expectancy that maybe or I hope so. I'm going to come with a, my hope in. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not do anything in my own power and trust anything else but only in Jesus from this day forward. And guys, here's what I really think going back to this sermon series with Joseph. And if you leave with something today, I hope you'll leave with these things. This is what our circumstances, we get stuck. Somebody say stuck. We get stuck in our circumstances because we forget that God has already been where we're going. God's already seen it. He's already been there. And we get so tied up. And what does this puzzle look like? Can I just tell y'all right now? <clears throat> Somebody needs to talk to me in this room that is on our staff. This week, I worked about six hours on this puzzle. And I might have been the least of all the staff that worked on it. Brent that runs our sound worked on it all night, Friday night, I'm not joking, to do this sky. On Friday afternoon, I was working on this, I was about to say, hmm, this awesome sky, stupid, and this piece right here, ah, I got, I promise, I tried every single piece of the blue four times, and I finally went, and I was about to kick the table over, and I was like, we're not starting over, right? This is the most annoying thing ever. And my, I felt like someone was shoving a knife through my forehead. And I was like, this is the dumbest thing. And I just thought, this is life. 
because my circumstances have gotten me stuck and I believe that I have to fully trust in me to be able to put the pieces together. It took 60-something combined hours to get this completely done, but by the grace of God, it is done, okay? But listen to me right now. This is your life, and we're convinced that when we get stuck because of our circumstances, it's our job to get them out, but God has put you in that stuck position to get you where he wants you to go. He's already been where you're going. Stop trying to put the pieces together. Because listen, this is the deal. If it weren't for the pit and the prison, we would never know anything about the palace where we're going to go today with Joseph. And so the title of the message is the pit to the prison to the palace. And so here's where we are in our story, okay? Here's where we are. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 40, but I I just want y'all in context. Let me just give you a review if this is your first time. We started in Genesis 37 being introduced to Joseph, and Joseph is the favorite son of 12, and he's the second youngest, and he has this crazy dream that all of his brothers are going to bow down to him, and his dad, Jacob, even goes, hang on a second, you're saying I'm going to bow down to you? (laughs) Slow your roll, bro, right? And he's got the coat of many colors, and like all of his brothers get mad, and they're going to kill him, and they say, you know what, we'll just throw him in the pit. We'll just just sell him into slavery. We won't kill him, and we'll take the, the coat back and tell our daddy was killed. And Joseph is sold into slavery and goes to this man who bought him from the Ishmaelites named Potiphar. And and, and Potiphar takes him into his home. And Joseph honors God in a situation that he doesn't know in a foreign land. And he elevates him to in charge of his entire home, this rich man in charge of his entire home. And eventually, Potiphar's wife starts looking at him and saying, okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's good. I like what I see. And tries to hook up with him. And he says, no, this isn't honoring to my, my dude. And she lies about him and he gets put in prison. Some of you came here this morning and you're either in the pit or you're in the prison of of life. You feel like there's no hope. You're looking around and you're like, there's nothing I can do. Pastor, you're talking to me because I'm in this dark place. And you've done everything in your power to try to get yourself out. And because we rely on us, we miss the best that God has for us. We miss the blessing that God has for us. And so we're going to pick up right here. They're in the prison. He's been elevated in this prison because he's still honoring God. Joseph's been elevated, and here we are. Chapter 40, verse 1 says, Sometime after this, the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in the custody, put, put them in custody in the house of the captain of the garden prison where Joseph was confined and where Joseph was put in charge of. And so he's in there with these important people. Being the cupbearer was huge because you, you drank the drink right before Pharaoh did. And if it was poison, you took the poison before him. This is an important position. And the baker's an important position. These two people are high up officials. And Joseph's just some lowly Hebrew that no one knows about. And he's in there with them. And so here's what happens. Is they have this dream. And they said to Joseph, these these two guys, they said to Joseph, we had dreams and and there's no one to interpret them. We've talked to all these people and we don't know what it means. And these things are bowing down to us and tell us what to do. We don't know what to do. And Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? I just think that's such a great verse, such an interesting verse, because he immediately gives all credit and all glory to God. See, listen, I can interpret your dream, but don't all interpretations come to God. So in actuality is what you're saying right here, that you believe that God can interpret your dream. 
And I think that's a question for us. And this isn't about dreams. Do you understand that it's God and God alone that can get you out of the mess that you're in? Or do you still believe that you can? Please tell them to me. And so here's what Joseph did. It says, so the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. He told him his dream. And then you find out what the dream is and you hear this crazy elaborate story about what his dream is. And in verse 14, this is what Joseph said. Only after, after he, listen, he interprets the dream. He tells them one of y'all are going to die. It's going to be bad news. And one of y'all are going to be elevated. And it's good news. And, and, but just remember me. Just remember me. He said, only remember me when it's well with you. And please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh. Like, just tell Pharaoh, man, I, I told you the dream. I told you what was going to happen so that, and get me out of this house. And by this house, he means out of this pit, this prison that they've put me in, and this, it's a dungeon. When we think of prison, I'm not saying prisons are fun places, but they're certainly not what these were. This was a dark hole, a dungeon. It wasn't cable TV and workout videos. This was bad news, okay? And he says, just tell him. Somebody say, remember me. Remember say, remember me. How many of y'all feel that way right now because you feel forgotten and lost, right? You feel hopeless. And you're just like, God, a long time ago, I feel like you forgot me, man. And I just wish that you would remember me. Just wish that you would. 15 says, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews. I was sold by my brothers. And here also I've done nothing that they should put me in the pit. I, I don't belong in this prison. All I'm asking you to do is remember me. And he was promised to be remembered. Here's what it says, skipping down. It says, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And some of y'all, you're in that situation right now. You're like, I've done all the right things and I've ended up in the pit. And pastor, I'm tired of it. I'm giving up. I'm throwing my hands up. I'm done. And what we're doing is what I was doing in that room right there. We're trying to fit that blue piece into that. It's got to fit. And I can buy or think or do my way out and I'm not going to do what the Turners had to do last week. And that's the only thing I can do in this moment is put all my hope in God. Place all my trust in God and say, if you don't, then we can't. I'm just convinced that that's where God wants us every single day and I'm convinced that that's why we don't see healings and that's why we don't see miracles and that's why we don't see hope in our house because we think we can think our way out of it. There's some things that are out of your hands and there's some things that you've done. And I know there's sin, and I know we have to pay the consequences for it, but sometimes it's bigger than that. The Bible says that our, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, not, not, not humans, not, not me and you fighting, but against darkness of this world that is fighting against us. And at that point, when we try to fight against that, we can't fight off the puniest demon that will ever exist on our own. But the place that I tend to be it's the place that I try to fight it on my own. And then at the last minute, I throw up a Hail Mary and say, maybe God will hear me. And the place that I should be is I'm fully relying on you and I'm just going to walk into where you've already been. But I don't really have time for that, God. I, I, I'm, I've got to get myself to where I'm going. And guys, I'm just telling you, as long as that's us, we'll miss the blessing of our lives. And we'll believe that this is a blessing and it actually is a curse. And we'll look at our talent and say, this is a blessing and it's actually a curse. And we'll look at our homes and say, this is a blessing and it's actually a curse. None of those things are bad. They're actually wonderful. As long as they're in the context of God's blessing. 
But listen, whatever pit or prison or jail cell that you feel like you're in today, he is doing it, listen, for your good and his glory. And if there's not a pit and there's not a prison, then Joseph's ultimate outcome can't happen and him saving his entire nation can't take place. And if Joseph at any of these moments by his own free will, which all of us had, would have said, I'm done, I'm giving up, he would have missed his blessing for his life because he would have looked at these puzzle pieces and said, this isn't working like I wanted to do. On Thursday and on Friday when we were putting these pieces together, I was just like, oh, I'm done. But it's much bigger in life, isn't it? It's how we feel all the time. He says, so he, he was forgotten. And so time goes by and here's what happens. Somebody say after two whole years. After two whole years. I believe some of y'all are in that position today. You're in the position of after two whole years. You're in the position of you've waited on God and you're just ready to throw your hands up. He was in a dark pit, honoring God the entire time for two whole years. And at what point, can I be real with y'all right now? After two days of this, I'm probably throwing my hands up and saying, God, I've heard this so many times in my life, but I believe if I'm honest, I have to say that this is me. God, look what I've done. How are you putting me through this? And I never believed God. I believe in him. I believe there's a God. I believe in him. But ever, I never believe him that he would put me here so he can take me there because he's already been there and I'm just walking into it. I don't really believe that. I believe that I have to put myself in there. And as a result, after two whole years or two whole days or two whole months or wherever you are, we're ready to throw our hands up and say, I'm done. God, if this isn't on my terms, this isn't gonna work. And we tell the God of the universe who holds the universe in the palm of his hand how it's gonna be. And if y'all aren't guilty, the Lord knows that I am. And I'm just sitting here wondering when I don't come with expectation because everything's not going my way, what blessing I've missed along the way. Because it says after two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And all these crazy things start happening and, and, and like things start growing up and then and then after a while, they start to die and the cows die. And if y'all have ever read the story, and if you haven't, please go back and read it. And all these things happen. And he's like, someone translate. And he brought in everybody to translate and nobody could translate. And then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember. He said to remember. And he forgot. And then he remembered. And it was not God's plan for him to remember today. Because listen, listen, don't miss this. Don't miss this. If he had told Pharaoh that day, Pharaoh would have been, all right, bro, <laughs> right? Pharaoh didn't have the dream that day. It wasn't time. Our time is not God's time. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. It's as high as the heaven is from the earth. So his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts is what Isaiah 55 says. But when it comes to things like this, what I tell God is I think my thoughts are a little higher than yours, bro. Maybe you need to get on the same page as me. Are y'all with me? God, catch up, man. Like, I know you're God and like you're the supreme being and like, but this is dumb. And if he had done what Joseph asked, listen, if God had done what you asked many times, it would have destroyed you because you would have ended up being in the pit the rest of your life. You would have been favored in the pit 
but you didn't end up being in the pit. Or maybe you found a cool house, or maybe you found a little cottage, and you could have just done your thing, but you wouldn't have been in the blessing that God intended for you to be. And many of you are sitting in that seat today because you may not be in the worst place. You haven't found God's blessing. And we hear that and we think, well, this is prosperity gospel. No, this is the gospel. This is the truth of what God is doing, but it's not always fun. And that's the difference. Many people say, you should be receiving the blessing every day. No, you got to go through the pit to get to the blessing. And we give up before we get to. And Joseph waited on the Lord. And he waited. And he waited. And I don't know what it was like. I'd love to have a conversation with him someday in heaven. And just say, how many times did you want to give up? And I bet there were many times he wanted to give up just like me and you. But he didn't. And he kept honoring God and he kept serving God and he kept serving God and he praised through. And guys, I'm telling you, there's something about when you're in pain and you keep praising God that the heavens open up and he pours down his love on us. There's something about it, I'm telling you. You you just got to do it. And there's something about God that meets us in the place that we need to be met. And it said, I remember today my offenses and here's what happened. A young Hebrew, this is, this is the, the cupbearer saying, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. Like this, this kid was put in position. He's 30 years old now. He was put in position of, of the servant of the captain of the guard. And when we told him of our dream, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. Exactly like they needed. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about exactly what he said. And I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Verse 14 says, then Pharaoh, Now, just for context, this dude was pretty important in the world at this time. Are y'all with me? Y'all saying the King Tut? Y'all remember back in the day? This might've been King Tut. We don't know. The, The really important Ramesses or one of the big Pharaohs. It doesn't matter which one it was. He was the most powerful person on the planet at the time. There was no King like this King. And he called this dude out of jail who was a Hebrew who had no business. They didn't interact. Hebrews were slaves. And he said, get him out. And so he called Joseph. I wonder how many times God's called you. And since you fought your way out, you've missed the voice of God. Because you've tried to make the blessing. And you've tried to make your destiny. And you've tried to reach the palace on your own. And as a result, we don't even hear from God. I wonder how many times we come in without expectation in a church service where God should do miracles anytime his people gather together, but we don't have expectation for God to move. We have expectation for the pastor to finish and the songs to finish so we can get to lunch. I wonder how many times in your job and in your home, God has been waiting, standing at that door and knocking, and we haven't heard because we've pushed our way through. But he called to Joseph and Joseph heard him. And they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself, because that dude was looking like some duck dynasty, and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, Joseph, I've had a dream. And there is no one in all of my smart people and everybody in the world, there's no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. So what you going to do? And Joseph said, it's not me, bro. Somebody say, it's not me. Can that be the theme of this house? It's not about me. It's not about Pastor Mark. 
It's not about Shannon and Brian singing like songbirds. It's not about our amazing staff. It's not about our amazing leadership. And I'm so grateful to God for every one of you that serve and preach the message before it gets in here because you are making a difference. But it is about the one who we serve, and that's why we do what we do. It's not about me. And if honor starts to me or to any of you, we've missed who it's about. And Joseph gives us the most beautiful picture ever. God will give Pharaoh an answer. It's not about me. It's not about you. God will give you an answer. And the reason that I say this isn't on me, listen carefully, is because a word from God does not come from me. A word from God comes from God and I happen to be speaking into this microphone, but it's you who has to receive the word. And it's me who tries to be obedient every Sunday and give it. But if you're not ready to receive, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the one that we're listening to, the one that we're waiting for, the one that after two years, you're gonna get a word from God that you've been waiting on and waiting on and you'll have freedom in your life. It's not about you and it's not about me. You were made in his image to give him glory and honor. And we forget that because there's so many pieces to this puzzle. We're like, God, this cannot be. Let's go home and say it's not about me. It's about the one who made me. And so here's what happens, Joseph. Um, Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all these things and he interprets this dream, and here's the truth of what happened is he told him, listen, there's going to be a famine in the land and it's going to be terrible, but first there's going to be an amazing crop and we've got to store up the good years so that in the, in the lean years when there's nothing, when the famine is so bad, we have this extra because we've listened to God. Can I be honest with you? There's going to be a great season of growth in your life sometimes, and there's going to be a famine. If you haven't stored up what God is doing in your life, Psalm 119 said, I will hide his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. If you haven't listened to God and stored up in the good times, in the lean times, you're going to quit and run away. And that's exactly what, what Joseph was telling Pharaoh is, listen, right here, you've got to get these big vats and you've got to fill them, fill your barns. The result of Joseph being obedient through the pit and through the prison is that his entire nation was saved. He was able to call his brothers came. As you can read, please go back and read this in 40, 41, 42, all the way to 50. His brothers came and said, we need grain. We don't have any. And y'all somehow knew that you should store up grain. And God was able to restore their relationship and save his entire people group. Why? Because while he was in the pit and while he was in the prison, he didn't feel sorry for himself. He believed God. And I keep asking myself this question, how often do I really believe God? Not believe in, but believe him. And he says, since God has shown you all of this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. And listen to what he did. You shall be over my house. And this wasn't an ordinary house. This was the house of Pharaoh. And all my people shall order themselves as you command, only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. Only the fact that I'm sitting on the throne and my name is Pharaoh will I be greater than you. Otherwise, I'm equal. And everyone else in this kingdom and every kingdom on the land, if they live on this planet, you are greater than them. Why? Because you trusted God. And he counted it as righteous to him. And he elevated him. Why? Because he could trust him with his blessing. And so many of us hear this and we think, well, that's just, that's just like that, that. But if you will be honest with yourself, can God trust you with his blessing? Because you gave up way before you were supposed to get out. 
And if you had gotten out when you wish you would have got, you would have missed the greatness of God revealed in your life. And some of you are in the middle of it right now and you're ready to quit because you had a plan in place. And this is what 41 says. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have set you over all the land of Israel. Listen to me. God has a plan for you and it is absolutely great. But most of us in our entire lives never see what God has for us because we never let God have a chance. And it's because of situations like this. So we go to... um, Two weeks ago, Brian and Jordan, who's sitting right here, got married. And it was a beautiful place on Lake Greenwood that they got married. And there was a little gazebo that they had and white chairs were out. And it was so cool. It was awesome. Plans were perfect. This was the gazebo they were on, uh, supposed to be on. Seven o'clock was when the wedding started. And at seven o'clock, slightly before, Hurricane Katrina decided to come through. Y'all with me? I mean, like, we were inside of the Shrine Club right there on the lake, and we had to yell over. And Brian, who was trying to make everything good, because he's my dude and he's positive, he was saying, we're going to be fine. We're just going to wait it out. And I kept looking at the radar going, bro, that's red, and that's red, and that's red, and it's all coming. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's not stopping. He's like, how long, how much longer are you thinking? I'm trying to be positive. I'm probably lying to him, like, maybe 15 an hour. (laughs) I don't know, right? It's not looking good, right? And so we had to get all the bridesmaids Jordan back over from the house where she was going to walk out, and it was just chaotic. And Jordan being the bride, I feel like her heart was kind of melting and not in a good way, and everybody was just kind of upset, and the wedding started about an hour late, and we were disappointed, honestly. I was too for them. And If they had gotten married at 7 o'clock, it would have been pretty. It would have been nice, and they would have taken pictures right after, and they would have gotten cool pictures. But this picture on this screen does it no justice. But I'm telling y'all right now, as soon as we finished the ceremony, I heard, like, quiet. And I just busted over and opened the door, and I looked, and I'm telling y'all, I've been to Maui, and there's some crazy sunsets in Hawaii. I've never seen a prettier sunset in my entire life than what was out there at that moment. Absolutely breathtaking. The fluorescent colors, if y'all look on Jordan's Facebook page, you can see a really good picture of it. And it's this picture, but you can just see the beauty of it. And I just thought in that moment, and Brian and I talked about it, had they gotten what they wanted, they wouldn't have gotten this for the rest of their lives. Because at 8.20, we were dancing. We were going to be cutting a rug at that time, right? And at 8.25, this picture took place and we were out talking and having a Jesus moment and looking at all. And I said, you know, this is perfect for Joseph. Because what seems like a curse in your life right now and you just don't know what to do ends up being a blessing if we wait on the Lord. Because I'm telling y'all, without, a, without the pit and without the prison, there could be no palace. And most of us never get to the palace because we run out of the pit we run out of the prison and we run out of the turmoil and we run out of what we think is so bad and we miss God's greatness because we think we can find the good and can I be real with you today I think you can too I think God gives you an amazing freedom that's called free will and he lets you find good but good's the enemy of great and you'll never receive God's blessing in your life if you run from what God has. 
And the result of what we deem as awful ends up being the best thing that ever happened to us. And you're like, Pastor Mark, you have no idea. I don't, but I know who does. And I know the one that's already been there. Will you just take this home with you? God has you where you are right now. And where you're going right now to take you where he's already been to take you to where he wants you to go. And you'll never reach your destiny in life and you'll never reach your final ending that God has for you in your life if you keep trying to put the pieces together. God, only ask this of you, follow me. God, only ask this of you, follow me. Put the puzzle pieces down and stop trying to make everything work and just follow me. I, I just think the way that Joseph ends this story is absolutely beautiful in chapter 50 because he's talking to his brothers, having a dialogue and they're at the end and, and they buried his father together and all these things have happened. He says, as for you brothers, you meant evil against me. Evil has been meant to happen to you. And you look and say, there's no way God is in this. But what does he say? But God meant it for, God meant it for my good to bring about that many people should be kept alive. God means it for your good for many people to be saved as they are going to be today. Listen to me. God has allowed the things in your life to happen so that you can stand in freedom and say, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know what the rest of today holds. I'm gonna stop trying to figure it out and I'm gonna walk into freedom. I know who's already paved the way and who's already been there. And for the first time in my life, I'm not gonna say a magic prayer and believe in this God. I'm gonna believe God I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna place him as Lord over my life just like Joseph did in his entire life. Through awful times, through great times, through every time, through a blessing and through a curse and what we deem as awful. Joseph believed God and he counted it to him and ended up getting a blessing in the end. The palace is never gonna happen if you're not faithful in the pit and faithful in the prison. And I know some of you are shaking the bars of the prison that you're in, but you can't set yourself free. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way that you'll be free, the only way that you'll have life, the only way that you'll come to the Father is by me. And many of us look at him and say, yeah, that's awesome, I'll try that out, but it's not a magic wand. It's a fully trusting. And today what I want you to do is just pray with me in your heart, right where you sit. Because I believe that there's many of you, if you'll be honest with me right now, that would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, man. I've, I've played this game. I've been in church, but I don't know Jesus. And I'm just asking you, sir, you ma'am, right where you sit to pray this with me right now. Will you pray it in your heart? Lord Jesus, I've prayed prayers, man. I've, I've gone through the motions, but I've never believed you. And when the tough got going, I got going. I've left you. Today, I'm giving you my heart and life. I'm trusting you completely. I'm making you Lord and Savior and trusting you with all. I've sinned and I deserve separation from you, but you took all my shame and all my sin on the cross so that I could be your son and I could be your daughter. And today I give you my life. I'm following you. In Jesus' name, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, here's what I want you to do. Pastor Mark, that's me, man. For the first time in my life, I just said that prayer. Here's the thing. If you want freedom, it's on you, bro. It's on you, ma'am. 
If that's you, slip your hand up right now, wherever you are. I'm not going to count. I just want you to throw your hand up. If you did that for the first time, we're not going to embarrass you. We just want to pray with you and for you to acknowledge what you just did in your heart. And I know that there's people in this room that for the first time you said yes to Jesus. And I just want that to be you right now. I want that to be you. Who else? Who else? I see one hand. Who else is it? Who else is it right now? Throw your hand up and say, that's me. That's me for the first time. I'm declaring a declaration of freedom in my life. And I'm receiving the hope of glory in Jesus Christ. I'm free and I'm alive in him. If for the first time today that's you, I just want you to show me right now. That's me. We got a lot of people in this room and this is what I want to know. I want to know how many of this is you but you're saved. Because I think it's a lot of you. You're in a jail cell, man. You're in. You feel covered up. The pieces are scattered all over the room. You're drowning. And you don't know where to turn. And today you're ready to stand up and say, I'm coming with expectation that God's going to do more. That God's going to do miracles. And that it may be two years. It may be two days. But I'm going to be believing God in my life. If that's you and you're believing God for more, I just want you to throw your hand and wave it at me right now. That's me, Pastor. That's me in my life right now. That's what I need. That's what I need. Praise God for so many of you and for the ones of you that are already there. That's awesome. That is awesome. Stand with me. God, this morning our declaration is that through every storm, it is well. It is well. We're going to declare to you right now in this song that it is well with our soul because we believe you, God. We don't know the answers. We don't understand sometimes. But God, we know that you have our best. We know that you have our good and your glory in mind and everything that you do. And God, we're going to walk in freedom and walk in victory because you have already won. It's over. You've defeated death. You took the keys of death and hell. And God, we're walking out in that freedom. You've already been where we're going and we're just walking toward you. And today we declare that in Jesus' name. Amen.